Jesus. It's the way we were saved in Jesus. We put off our old selves, which belong to our former manner of life. There, it is corrupt and has evil desires or deceitful desires. Um, I love this. I love this language that we're going to be hearing in a moment. So, first of all, the put off your old self in this context is repentance. We've repented. We've turned away from our old life. We haven't just. Um, we, we haven't just. Um, said, oh, okay, it's still there. I'm not going to do that anymore. But no, we've said, no, that is sinful. It's sinning against God. We are turning away from it, and we're turning towards God, turning towards a new life. So then he goes on to say that um, in verse 23, and, be, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That is some hefty stuff right there. That is some big, that's a, a, that's a big theological or a big doctrinal statement there. First he says um, that we're being renewed. We're not being remodeled. We are not being renovated. We are cre- being created new. We are new creatures in Christ. And in the spirit of your minds, in our minds, in our inner being, in our soul. This is something that happens inside of us. It's not what we do. It's what God has done to our hearts. So just powerful stuff going on here. And, and it's done specifically by the Holy Spirit. That's the ongoing ministry. Um, the saving, the saving um, aspect of it is a once and for all. And then the ongoing ministry of the Spirit is to, to uh, minister to our hearts, to be renewing the spirit of our minds. So it goes on then, uh, verse 24. Put on the new self. Here's that put on language. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. <clears throat> Excuse me. Quickly, on righteousness and holiness. I wondered, why, why are those two words together? Because in our language, when we talk about them, we, we basically interchange them. We think of them as being um, the, almost the same word or an interchangeable word. Well, in studying this week, I did learn something new, and I'm um, so excited to share it. But righteousness, um, well, first of all, these are two Greek words that are relational words. They're, they're relationship words. So righteousness has to do with our relationship with men, being in a right relationship with others, where holiness has to do with us being in a right relationship with God. So Paul is saying here that we, his point is we've been created to be right with God and right with man. Doesn't that sound just like Jesus in the Gospels? What is the greatest commandment, um, Rabbi? That you would love God and love others. Uh, And there it is. And so Paul is saying the same thing, that we're putting off sinful, selfish behavior. We're putting on righteous, holy behavior so that we are right with God and man. You know, in counseling, um, for those of you that have ever met with me, um, and for those of you that haven't, but may one day, something that I will always say and something I always share, and, and that is this. Whatever the context of what we're meeting about, whatever we might be um, talking about, the truth is is that, and I'll use myself an ex- as an example, but I, Craig Bauer, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I'm a pastor, I'm a friend. I will never be a better husband, a better dad, a better pastor, or a better friend than I am a Christian, than I am a son to my Heavenly Father. So likewise is true of all of us. We are never going to be at better at anything in life as Christians than we are in our relationship with God the Father. So these things all really, you know, go hand in hand together because we're talking about our relationships with God, relationships with others. So let's take a look now at, at the practical part of what's happening here. Um, in, that, in this last section, Paul is using a aortist test, or, um, yeah, aorist tense with his verbs. So grammatically, he's saying all of these things that just happened, happened once and for all. 
they are um, a one-time thing. Salvation is a one-time thing. We don't keep getting saved. We don't keep getting um, saved over and over, losing our save, salvation, getting our salvation. We are saved once and all, uh, once and for all. And even as it says, we're guaranteed. Um, the Holy Spirit guarantees that salvation. So all of that stuff we just read is about a once and for all. But as we move forward, he changes his grammatical um, his grammatical uh, attack on what he's about to say. And the things that he's going to talk about now have to do with um, present future tense. We are going to be doing them now and continue to do them. And what he, the, the big differentiation here is he's talking, he has been talking about salvation and the, save, and, and the um, being saved, the justification part of it. Now we're going to be talking about salvation and the sanctification part of it. The once and for all, and now the ongoing growth in Christ-likeness. So everything we see from this point on has to do with our walk with the Lord, with our continuing walk with the Lord. Um, see if I missed anything here? No, I think we're ready to move on. Let's look at um, verse 25 together. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Um, I think that the very first point there that we would see is he says, um, the, uh, these put-off statements, put-off and put-on statements, first one we see is put-off falsehood and put-on truth. And why is it that, that he would be telling us, or what is his purpose in this? That we are members of one another. So if we think about, you know, relationally speaking, as we look at all of these put-offs and put-ons, we're going to see that, that these are absolutely imperative in our relationships in our home. But the way he's really applying these here is he's giving this in instruction for unity within the body of Christ, because that's the purpose of his letter. So keeping it in context, we're going to come back to this one. It's the first one he lists, and I believe it's possibly the most important one in terms of unity of the church. So we're going to come back to that one in a minute. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Be angry and do not sin. There's two types of anger. There's a righteous anger and a, and a sinful anger. Sinful anger would be selfish, self-focused. I didn't get my way. Things aren't what I think they should be. I, I was wronged. Sinful anger, and I'm mad about it. Sinful anger. Righteous anger. Jesus in the temple. He flips over the tables and he, and he screams and yells as he chases them out with a whip and says, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. Righteous anger has to do with the wrongs of others, particularly God being wronged. So um, the two types of anger, but he doesn't differentiate. He says, don't be angry, or he says, be angry, but do not sin in your anger and do not let the sun go down. So, you know, the first thing you would say, you would say, put off anger. It doesn't give us like a second part to the point necessarily, but I would say this, rather than picking apart every word, rather than pulling everything out and really looking over. Let's look at the heart of what Paul is teaching us here. What is Paul trying to teach us? He's saying, um, put off anger and put on self-control over your anger. Don't let it go past the end of the day. Now, that's not like, hey, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a problem with someone, and I'm going to wait until I go to bed to take care of this. That's not Paul's intent here. Paul is saying, you know, that, that we shouldn't, we should keep short accounts of the things that, we, you know, the, the problems that we have. So um, our, second, our second put off and put on is put off anger, but put on self-control over your anger. That's how we're going to apply this. 
Right, let's look at the next one now. And again, as I said, I'm going through them. They're pretty basic. They're pretty easy. But I want to come back to that first one uh, again. Oh, and I'm sorry. And let me just mention it. It says, do not, um, do not let the sun go down on your anger, but give no opportunity to the devil. So why would our anger give a- an opportunity to the devil? Let's be real. How do we act when we're angry? How, what kind of things do we say? What kind of things do we do when we're angry? Things that we would never do when we're not. So how does that give the devil a foothold? How does it give a devil a foothold in your home? How does it give the devil a foothold in our church? When we're doing things that are outside the character of Christ, the devil is now in control, or the things that we're doing are honoring and pleasing to the devil. So do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not sin in your anger. It's because we dishonor God in that, and, and we actually end up doing the things that the devil would have us do. So... Do not sin. Um, Have control over your sin so that we don't give an opportunity to the devil. Let's take a look at um, chapter, I'm sorry, verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Once again, let's let's look at the heart behind all of this. I mean, at this point, it kind of looks like the church at Ephesus was full of, of lying, angry thieves. And I can't imagine that the church at Ephesus was, and as we read on, it turns out that, that they're corrupting, you know, that they're trash-talking and backstabbing as well. So I can't imagine that this is a letter that's just addressing all of the, the problems of that church, but they have, it's the problems of any church. And when I, I look at the, you know, the, the heart behind all of this, like it's not, the emphasis is not on let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor, being honest in his work. The bigger portion is, is so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So first it's, you know, it looks to be put off stealing and per, put on working and giving as the put on and put off. But as we look at it a little bit deeper, I would say this, what is at the heart of, of stealing? Occasionally, it's, it's a lack of trust. Maybe someone is stealing because they just don't have and they're trying to provide. So, so it's not trusting in God to provide. But most often, most people that are thieves steal because they're greedy, because they want more than what they have. They're greedy. So I think a great way to apply this would be put off your greedy, selfish spirit and then do what with it? Put on a, a spirit of generosity so that you can share. We want to work so that we can share. We want to have things, not so that our lives are better, but so that we can bless others with them. And in that, bring great glory to God. Because that, when God's people do these things, we're bringing glory to him. So we want to, be, we want to put off greedy, selfish spirit and put on generosity. We're going to start unpacking some heavy ones here because these next few have language that isn't familiar to us or, or things we don't use in, in today's... Um, culture. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Well, first of all, excuse me, first of all, we don't really say that corrupting talk, but let's think about what that is. First of all, corrupting talk is talk that corrupts. You know, the the only time we maybe hear the word corruption now has to do with maybe, um, uh, illegal activities within a business, but the fact is, is that corruption is decay or rot. So it says, let no decaying, rotting talk come out of your mouths. Don't let decaying, rotting talk 
influence others or be a, a, have a negative impact on others? What, what kind of talk is it that corrupts worthless talk? Of course, gossip, slander, foul language, lying, vicious, unkind words. It's anything that you might say that, cause someone, that causes someone else to stumble. And, and I think of this, and then it goes on. This is tagged to it. This is not a separate, um, this is not a separate instruction, but verse 30 is grammatically tried, tied to verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for the building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Why? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Why is it that we shouldn't be um, causing others to stumble with our words? Because it grieves the Holy Spirit. I think of this, I think of when Jesus in the gospel says, um, woe to those who cause my little ones to stumble. It would be better for them that a millstone be tied around their neck and they be tossed off the bridge. It would be better for you to, be, to, to die now than it is to be causing others to stumble. That's what corrupting talk is. It isn't just the sinful gossip, slander, foul language, lying, vicious, unkind words, and so on. It's saying things that cause others to stumble. Can you think of something that maybe you said that caused someone to stumble that was a corrupting talk? It wasn't something that was edifying. It didn't build them up. And the timing was off as well, which are all contained in this verse. So the first, you know, to look at it as it stands... Put off corrupting talk and put on edifying speech. Well, edifying. There's another word that we don't use so much. Edifying is building up. It's not false praise, but it's genuine words of encouragement. So we want to not just put off corrupting talk, but put on edifying speech. But as we apply it today, let's think in terms of put off mean and trashy talk and put on words of life. What can we say to others that will bless them? And that means in, in every walk. What about when, even when you're just telling a story, and, and I think of this in terms of my own, con- my own conviction, telling a story that doesn't build the person hearing it up. It isn't necessarily that it's bad or wrong. It's just a story that's not edifying to them. Maybe it's even a story that causes them to stumble because of some uh, victory over sin in their life that we don't know of that, that might be causing them to think, or rethink, or to be tempted. Um, Be thoughtful, brothers and sisters, about the way we talk to one another. No corrupting talk, only things, words of life, only things that build up. Uh, Again, verse 30, and then it says, you know, that when he says that about it would be better, you know, that we wouldn't make someone stumble. It grieves the Holy Spirit, I think, as a dad. And this is maybe a, a lame likening, but as a parent. I think about how I am grieved, how sad it makes me when someone says something to one of my kids that hurts them. They didn't punch them. They didn't physically do them wrong, but, but I see my child's broken spirit, and I see that they have been hurt by someone else's words. And, and I can only imagine all the more as, our, as the Holy Spirit is perfect, God incarnate, perfect in every way, how much more um, that must grieve the Holy Spirit. So, again, put those things off. We want to put on the other. Then, um, verse 31. So, if we haven't hit on these things yet, Paul gives us a potpourri of different things, but he's going to give us six horrible attitudes. There's six problems of the heart. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. 
put on, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let's look at those words real quick. You know, we, we hear bitterness, we hear slander, we hear anger, we hear wrath. Um, those are words we hear fairly regularly, but what did Paul mean when he wrote these? They have a little bit of a different context or a different connotation in the Greek language when he says, um, let all bitterness, bitterness is, is a heart that will not be reconciled. A heart that will not be reconciled. Just, yeah, I'm a little bitter. No, you're never a little bitter. You are bitter or you are not bitter. Either you will be reconciled, pleasing to God, or you are bitter and you will not be. So you need to decide, are you in sin in your bitterness? Goes on to say, and wrath. Wrath is um, outbursts of anger in this context. It's an outburst of anger. Um, it, it's, it's big, it's loud, it's, it, it can even be violent. Um, and then, then he says, and anger. So he's got wrath, which is kind of the next level, and then anger, which is more of an internalizing, more of a simmering, brooding. And here's the thing about anger. Anger starts like a, a boiling pot with a lid. It's clamoring, it's clanking, it's making some noise. The next thing that happens is um, the, the pot blows off, or the lid blows off the pot. And then the bitterness is, is the mess and the massive, uh, the, uh, the outlay of what happens after that. These things all go. They all progress. Anger turns to wrath. Um, wrath undealt with turns to bitterness. So we, we want to be sure that we want to put those things off by being kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. See where that ties in. Um, likewise, it goes on and he uses a word clamor. Um, some of your translations have another word, brawling. Um, brawling we're a little more um, familiar with in terms, we think of it in terms of fist fighting or fisticuffs, but brawling or, um, or clamor here has to do with yelling to get your way, being aggressive, yelling to, to, um, to control a situation. So no clamoring. And, and think about that when you've used your voice, the volume of your voice to control a situation. That's clamor. Don't do that, God says. Slander, we know what that is, talking to, about others to hurt them. Not just accidentally saying something that's hurtful, but intentionally saying something that's going to hurt someone else's reputation. And then he says, along with um, all malice. Malice is evil intent. Evil intent. When we intend on hurting others, it's malice. So, so Paul tells us, put all of those things off, and put on kindness to one another, tenderheartedness, forgiveness. Why? Because God in Christ forgave you. He forgave me. These are beautiful things, you know, in a, in a great way. You know, what's, what's wonderful about um, all of these things is that, um, that this is the answer for victory over all sin. This is the victory over, this is the answer to victory over um, all of these things. Not just the things that are said here. This is just examples that he gives. But this is the answer for overcoming anxiety. This is the, uh, the answer for co- overcoming any besetting sin. It's lust, pornography, um, e- even, even f- um, uh, a, sinful, uh, a, s- a sinful use of food. All of these things. This is where it all starts. By putting off sinful thoughts, putting on righteous holy thoughts. Um, let's go back to verse 1, because we do have a few minutes to do this. And why I wanted to look at this a little bit more is because, again, this is, this is a text that is written, a, a letter that's written to the church about unity in and of the body. 
Therefore, having put away falsehood, verse 25, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So put off falsehood and put on truth. But I just wanted to, to, as we wrap things up here, talk about what kind of falsehoods. I don't believe he's talking about overt lies, you know, um, lies that that are, um, you know, I'm just making something up. Uh, I think he's talking about these, like the word falsehood, can also be translated lie, but it, it has its own little, its own connotation to it. Falsehood would be um, those times when we're not genuine with one another. And I'm thinking of this in terms of being disingenuine with one another. Think, like, think of this. When we come back together and someone asks, hey, how are you doing? And you, and you say, oh, hey, we're great. We're fine. But in truth, your marriage is a mess. In truth, you're struggling with sin. In truth, you're struggling with anxiety. And because of fear of man or because of pride or because of whatever the case may be, you are disingenuine with your brother or sister. We're all members of one another. Isn't this the place that we should be building relationships where we can be honest with each other, where we can be transparent is the word I'm thinking of here. Um, I think of some other situations like this. Um, a situation where someone speaks the truth and love to someone um, because everyone knows that there's a problem with this person. After the person receives this truth and love, they don't like what they've heard, so they go to someone else and ask them and the other person because they really love themselves too much and don't love this other person, but they know of the problems, say, oh no, I don't know what they're talking about, or, or no, I never, I never thought that. The fact is, is that's a lie. We, want, we don't want to be lying to each other. We want to be speaking the truth in love with each other. So as we come back together and, and we've, we've, uh, we've built a, a unique and new and different bond through this time apart where we've been doing most of our things by, um, by phone and by um, uh, online interaction, I would, I would just say this. As we come back together, let's be looking to take our community to the next level where we're honest and transparent with one another because the truth is, is I need your accountability and you need one another's accountability. We need that in our lives. I need you, if I'm having a problem, I need someone to come alongside of me. I'm obviously not overcoming it on my own. So I need someone to come to me. If I say, someone asks me, how are you doing? And I say, you know what, I am struggling with anger. Not that I got angry one time, but I'm struggling with anger. You know, the other person can, you know, respond, you know, not, I don't know what to do with it or anything, but say, I'll pray with you. Can I walk alongside with you? Come to your pastoral team. Come to the elders of the church. Come and ask for help in that. We want to equip you, saints, for works of service. These are the works of service. The eight men that lead this church cannot come alongside personally every person that comes, every, every brother or sister that comes to this church. But you, brothers and sisters, can you can come alongside, and we want to equip you for works of service to be able to do this. We'll, we'll put resources in your hand. We'll meet with you so that you can do this. But again, it all starts with us being honest with one another. So let's apply this one. Um, number one applied. Put off guardedness and put on transparency. So um, I know right now you're going, yeah, Craig, that sounds great, but how do we do all of this? How do we put on, uh, put off our sinful, selfish thoughts and put on holiness and righteousness? Well, it starts with the renewing of our minds. Um, Romans 12, 2. I was uh, hoping to read it off the slide because I didn't mark my Bible, so. 
Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Studying and learning through Scripture, um, growing in our relationship with the Lord through Scripture, um, Romans 12.2, transforming our mind. But what about this? 2 Corinthians 10.5. 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us to take every thought captive. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive so that we obey Christ. So there it is. When we put on and we put off, or put off, I'm sorry, and then put on, those are the things that come with that. But I'll tell you another thing that's so important, and that is prayer. Um, I, I will never be growing any closer to Jesus, any closer to God, than I, than I, am through, than I will through prayer. Um, it's like this. Reading a book about George Washington will tell me much about George Washington, but without meeting him and talking to him, uh, I will not know him. So prayer is, that, is part of that growing in our relationship with the Lord, talking with him. That's all it is. Whether you choose to, to pray, dear Father, dear Jesus, Holy Spirit, or, or you say God, um, be involved in interacting with, with, our, um, with our triune God, with the God of the universe. Um, we want to put off and put on works. Um, it works for everything, guys. It works for everything. And if you'd like to hear more about it, um, Shoot me, a, shoot me an email at information, or I'm sorry, at questions at countryoaks.org. Um, if you need some resources, I would love to help you with this because this is where the victory is. Victory over sin, victory over death in Jesus and our, our justification and the salvation experience, but victory and sanctification comes through obeying the word of God, putting into practice, applying all of the things that we learn here. Listen, if you're, if you're hearing this today and you're thinking that this, this sounds good, these promises, principles, um, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace of God, it sounds good to you. This pro- these promises, these principles, these things are only for God's people. So if you don't know Christ today, if you're not in a right relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ right now, um, and you're ready to be at peace with him, it's as simple as this. Realizing I'm a sinner and I can't save myself, Realizing that I am far from God and I am not going to be able to get to you, God, without you coming to me. So would you come to me, God? Would you save me? Would you forgive my sins? Because I can't do this. I want to trust you for your gift of eternal life and I want to be your son or daughter. It's that easy. And it's that difficult. So let's close in prayer. And and again, put off sinful, selfish thoughts and desires. Put on righteous and holiness, the holiness of God. Father in heaven, thank you. Uh, thank you so much that you have given us all we need. You, uh, you have inspired, you have breathed out the Bible, your scripture, your words to us, Lord. And you've spoken that truth and you've done so in love. You've given us your word because you love us. Lord, help us to, um, to see that and to be motivated by your great gift of eternal life, by the great sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Not that we would earn salvation, not that we would uh, impress you, but instead that we would seek to please you as our, as our Abba Father, as our, our dad in heaven. Um, Lord, I thank you for these brothers and sisters and for the message today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict our hearts, that we would see where we need to grow in Christ's likeness. And I pray, Jesus, in your name, 
that you would bless these brothers and sisters. And I hope, Lord, that you have been pleased and glorified in all we've done this morning. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.